0: And g'day, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Schroeder's Bible Bits. Um, Here is a little chapel talk that I've done as part of our new series for 2022 on John's gospel. Um, It's pretty exciting because finally, COVID restrictions allow us to gather together in a room in actual real life rather than recording these things online. So, um, you know, it's been like two years since I've done this. So it's been a wonderful opportunity. Um, Anyway, we're in John's Gospel and today's uh, chapel talk is all about the purpose of John's Gospel. Why does John write all about this Jesus? Um, And so I'll explain that to these students. Um, Hope you enjoy this next little Bible bit. Dear Lord, we thank you that we can start our day in this way. Thank you that we can gather together as a single grade, that we can learn a little bit more about Jesus. Lord, we pray that as we learn about Jesus, we will discover how we can find life and we will discover how we can navigate life when it's tricky. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, well, everybody, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of John in Chapel. And in House Tudor, you've hopefully already been started, you've already started, sorry, to read the Gospel of John. Hand up if that's true for you. You've started to read the Gospel of John in House Tudor. Not yet. Okay, well, Red have. There you go. Yeah, yes, you have. Yeah. yeah. Okay, maybe you didn't realise you were reading the Gospel of John in House Tudor. How's that? The Gospel of John is a book in the Bible which is all about Jesus and up on the screen you can see that I've got a title up there and it says that you may believe believe. Uh, and this is what the Gospel of John is all about and so we're going to be engaging in this big idea all about believing in Jesus. You notice as well up on the screen I've got this picture up there with a pile of rocks. Does anyone know what those pile of rocks is actually called? It actually has a name. Does anyone know what it's called? Anyone know? What do you think? It's not called a pillar. Yeah? Is this, uh, a fossil? No, it's not. No, not a fossil. Anyone else? It's called a can. Okay, and a can, there's piles of rocks. When you go hiking, you might find piles of rocks like this out and about. Some people like to do it because they think it looks pretty cool, but actually they serve a purpose. When you're hiking through the bush, you might be on a footpath or a, or a track, and it's really easy to see a track. Who's been hiking before? And you've been able to follow the track, and you know the way that you've got to go. It's really easy. It's sort of like if I was to walk down the aisle here, I can see exactly where I need to go, straight down the aisle, right? But as the the track comes to an end, you might come to a big, wide, open space, which is actually a big rock platform. There's no footpath there, is there? There's no track there. There's no trees there to mark out the way that you've got to go. So what campers and hikers do sometimes is they build these rock piles called cans so that you you come and walk next to one, and you stand there, and you look ahead, and you look for the next one. You go, oh, there it is, and you walk to that next one, and that marks out the track for you Along your bushwalk. Pretty neat, isn't it? I wanted to use this image for us as we look at the Gospel of John because as we learn from the Bible, from the Gospel of John, we're going to come face to face with another person. Does anyone know know who it is? Who's the person that we come face to face with in the Gospel of John? Have a guess. Anyone? Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, right? We come face to face with Jesus. And Jesus is like one of these piles of rocks for us that marks out the way for us as we try and navigate life today but actually more than that Jesus is the one that leads us to eternal life. All good? That's why we have got this picture up here for the Gospel of John but as we get started I've got this random question for you and the random question is this how many printed resources do we currently have in our college library? Let's have a guess let's have a guess right ballpark figure what do you reckon Will? It's just 736? More than 736. What do you think? Over 2,000. Over 2,000. Yes, we have over 2,000. I think we can narrow it down. Yep. Yep, okay. 5,000. No, not 5,000. No, not under 10,000. I'll take one more guess. The fact that you counted them is shocking, but I think it's 2,100. 2,000. <laughs> I did not go through the library and count these, by the way, one by one. I just went to the IRC and I said, how many? And they printed off a sheet and said, there you go, there's the number. And we have 20,000 resources. That's 20,000 printed resources in our IRC. So when you walk into the IRC or into the library, all the books that you see in front of you, there's 20,000 of them. This is not including all of the digital resources that we have as well. Do you know that six years ago, I asked the same question, we had over 60,000. But times have changed, haven't they? And we use our iPads and that sort of thing to read information. Here we go. The thing is, though, comparatively, if I ask you this question, how many resources do you think there are in the National Library of Canberra? This is the big mega library in Australia, right? This is the library. This is the mothership of libraries, right? How many resources do you think we have there? They're Digi- not digital, just printed, hard copy books and resources in the National Library in Australia, in Canberra, what do you think? Yeah, 100,000, 100, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Um, uh, 10,000, what do you think? 280,000, what do you think? At the very back? 500,000, 500, what do you think? One hundred thirty-seven. last guess? A million. A million. I can't hear you. One million, here it is, straight off their web page. I took a screenshot, 10.25 million books. Isn't that a lot? And look at this, how cool is the stat that they give us there? That physical space, that equals 279 shelf kilometres. So that means if you've got every single shelf in the National Library of Australia in Canberra, and you line them up side by side, and you measure that out in one big long straight line, that would be that many kilometers 279 kilometers isn't that cool and then when you add to that all of our new digital formats that we have saved in there as well there's 2.4 petabytes a petabyte i think is 10 or 15 to the power, 10 to the it's like 10 to the power of 15 something like that isn't that wild so the mathematicians are not in their head that's a lot of data that's a lot of resources well, you seven, it's a bit of a funny way to talk about the Bible, but the thing is, the reason I do that is because we're not dealing with 10.25 million copies right now as we look at the Gospel of John. We are dealing with one scroll which was probably about 10 meters long. One original scroll that was about 10 meters long, made up of papyrus, and John had a limited space with which he could write all about the life of Jesus. Right? In John's Gospel, we've got to remember that we're dealing with a limited space where he could write only so much information. So as we come to look at this book of the Bible, we have got to think, what is he going to teach us about? What is the information that we're going to find in this book called John, in this document that John has written for us? And to help us, we're going to cheat. And what I mean by that is, have you ever picked up a book before from the library and rather than start at the start, you've started at the back. Yeah. Have you ever done that before? I've done that before. Full disclosure, I remember doing that once in English. Don't tell the English teachers. But I dead set picked up the book and I read the last pages, last few pages. I read the opening, I started with, went back to the beginning, read a couple of the beginning and read a couple in the middle to try and catch the vibe of the book. It's a cheat way, isn't it? Well, we're going to cheat now as we start to look at it just a little bit because in the last chapter of John, we get some really cool verses which help us to understand what John has included in this book. And as we look at these last couple of verses, we discover what we're going to learn. Are you ready? Look up on the screen. It says what John has written about in this one little scroll. He says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Isn't that a cool Bible verse? That's straight out of the Bible. It seems like something that somebody would write in a modern day novel. But what he writes here in the very last verse of John is that Jesus has done so many things that if he wrote them all down, they would not fit on his 10 metre scroll. They would not fit in the Broughton Library of 20,000 books. They would not fit in the National Library of Australia in Canberra where they currently have 10.25 million books because Jesus has just done so many amazing things. There's not enough space for all of them to be written down. So John has kept his information to the 10-metre scroll. Are you guys following me here? So I wonder, right, if John has only written down all these things about Jesus on a 10-metre scroll, on one 10-metre scroll, what can we expect to read in this document? What can we expect to read in this book called John's Gospel? I'm going to tell you. We can expect to read a short and an intentional piece of information that John writes about seven signs. How many signs? Seven. Seven. Now, when I talk about signs, another word that you might hear sometimes as you learn about Jesus is the word miracle. How many of you have heard that word before? The miracles of Jesus. Yeah. In Matthew, Mark and Luke, we read about the miracles of Jesus. In John we read about the miracles of Jesus too but John calls them signs that's a bit different isn't it and he calls them signs because when we read about these amazing moments that Jesus does they're like a sign that point to Jesus to show us something important about him okay I want you to keep that in mind as we read John's gospel in fact At the end of John's Gospel, John also writes this about the things that he has written down. Remember, he's only written down seven signs in a limited and a short space. But why did he only write about these things? Have a look up on the screen. He tells us why. He says, Jesus performed many signs in the presence of of his disciples, which are what? Which are not recorded in this book, but... These ones, these have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. He 7, John writes this very short book about Jesus' life. He includes only seven signs of Jesus, but these things are written for a very big reason. See, John wants to teach us all about life. all about life. And in fact, we can see in that verse, I've underlined them in this verse, he says, these things are written so that you may say it, believe, believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Messiah. That means that he is the promised King and Saviour, and that he is the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life, life in his name. He said, well, we've got a great opportunity in chapel and in house tutor, to learn all about life that is found in Jesus. We've got seven signs to investigate together. These amazing miracle moments of Jesus that point to Jesus and get our attention so that we would look at him and say, ah, that's how I'll find life. But when we think about life, I want you to think about two things. I want you to think firstly about the most important life that you can have. That is the eternal life that we can have in Jesus. That's why Jesus came, right? Jesus came so that Jesus would die for us, so that he would take away our sins, so that we would be forgiven and we would have eternal life. But actually also, I think that as we look at Jesus, we can figure out how to do life when life is tricky. Did you guys see my chapel talk on video last week? The one where I told you about my lost wedding ring? Yeah? Yeah. It's, pretty, it's a bit of a small thing really, isn't it, just to lose something precious in comparison to all the terrible things that happen in this world. But I think it reminds us that there are plenty of things that happen in our life that are tricky, yeah? Do you agree? Life is tricky. Well actually, as we get to know Jesus and we get to know all about life, we get reminded about the great love that has been demonstrated to us, God's great love that has been demonstrated to us. Because Jesus has come to tell us all about life, to show us how we get life, because God has what us? God has loved us. So you seven, in chapel, I hope that you are reminded that God loves you. And he's loved you so much that he sent Jesus for you to be your saviour, even while you were a sinner. And I hope that as you learn that, you will discover how to live life well today but most importantly, how you can get life which will last for all of eternity. That means life forever with God in heaven. Are you interested? Here's a little bit of the purpose of John, to learn more about Jesus from those seven very important signs. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can get in contact with me via Twitter at MRK Schroeder, or on the Anchor app, you can actually leave a voice message. I'd love you to do that, and I might include it in the next podcast. Catch you later.